still recovering a little from this cold. All right. Yeah, I seem to have it for like two months. So we are up to, well, I, I want to just remind of the process here because this is turning a corner. Here, Baruch Amar is the bracha that opens up Sukkot de Zimra, which means that it's going to summarize in it everything that's going to happen in Sukkot de Zimra. So we've gotten last the last couple of weeks. Hello. Hi, is this Mrs. Levenshire? Yeah, come on in. Hi. You're welcome. Hi. Join us. We're just starting. Okay. So we've been talking about the last few weeks. Uveshirei David Avdecha nehalal cha Hashem alokenu veshvachos uvezmiros negadelcha uneshabecha unefaercha venazkir shimcha venamlichcha malkenu elokenu. We we are praising Hashem. We're reflecting back what we see of His behavior in the world, his interaction with us, and we're proclaiming it back. That's the halal, that's the reflection, right? And then we said, v'naz kir shimcha, and we talked about zikaron, memory, and how the role of memory is to bring something that is in our mind, we know it, but we're not thinking about it right now, and to bring that to the forefront of our consciousness and our awareness. That's what remembering means. So when the Torah tells us to remember something, the way we fulfill that mitzvah is always by speaking. Good morning. Is by speaking. Because speech is the best way to bring something to the front of our minds. Okay, so that was what we talked about. And we talked about the role of the moon, which is that role of zikaron, memory, right? Taking the light of the sun when you can't see it and bringing it into the dark place where you weren't able to see it. We talked about Gamzulatova, which is the same kind of process. It's saying, I can't see where you're taking me, God, but I know it's somewhere good. <coughs> and today, what we're going to see is how all of that brings us to Vinamlichecha Malkenu Elokenu. That's the last verb. <laughs> is we will make you our king. Good morning. We're going to make you our king. So then the question is, how do we get to Mazel Tov? Sorry. I'm so excited. What's Mazel Tov? My son has a Nahas Tefillin this morning. Oh, Mazel Tov. Wow. I said, well, I'm just going to come down and listen to I can't believe it. That's amazing. That's really exciting. Okay, is sort of, we'll make you king. Now, Hashem is the king. Right, and I'm not going to take that part of the topic because we've talked about that at least twice in this year, usually Rosh Hashanah time. Right, the the avoda of making Hashem king. It's not that we make him king; he is the king. Right, he he who He's he's king since before we were around and after. But there is an aspect of hamlacha of saying we choose you to be our king. We want you to be the king. We want to give, what does it mean I want you to be the king? When someone is the king, they're the one who makes the decisions and you have to follow them even if you don't like them, right? When, I mean, that's part of when the, when the Jewish people said we, to Shmuel, we want to have a king, right? And it's like, well, you realize that you're not always going to like having a king. Sometimes he's going to tell you you have to go to war. Sometimes he's going to say that everybody has to contribute a certain number of people to help work out. Or they used to have a, a labor tax. Everyone had to give a certain amount of service toward the common good. That was to the king. And then the king directed what you do with it. So 
people don't like taxes. You could vote for somebody, and you could even think the taxes are good, but it doesn't mean you want your taxes to go up or that you have to put in, right? So when you say, I want somebody to be my king, what you're doing is you're saying, my will, my rutzone, is whatever you will decide your rutzone is. That's what it means. I'm giving over my will, my decisions, and saying that I entrust them to you, that whatever you decide, that's going to be my will. That's really what it means to make someone a king or to say that they, you want them as a king. So when we choose Hashem as king, right, the lehamlich, right, which is the avoda, the real, you know, the malchuyos, the avoda of Rosh Hashanah, is that avoda of saying, Hashem, you are the king, but if I could choose, I would choose you. And that is a topic we're going to cover much more in Kriyashma, because that's very much the avoda of Kriyashma. The avoda of, the, of saying, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad, is hamlachas Hashem. Okay? But we're not up to there yet. <laughs> Except that we're in Psukei de Zimra. <coughs> Which means, excuse me, that Psukei de Zimra is taking us to that place. So we've talked about how each of the levels of davening corresponds to a level, right? We have the brachos and the guf, and we have over here, we have Psukei de Zimra and the emotional state. This is taking us somewhere. And the place it lands us is After we've gone through, right? We said, we'll praise you. All of those terms, right? Was to expand our awareness of him. To improve how we view what Hashem does for us. Just sounds familiar, right? Unifa'ercha, the glorification. That's also something that's above and beyond maybe our capacity to understand, and yet saying that's also God's glory. Nazkir Shimcha was bringing that light into the darkness. All of those are, let's put that in the category of the I don't know where you're taking me, God, but I know it's somewhere good. All of that is the Keshem we bless Hashem for what's good and what's bad. Why? Because what's good and what's bad is all part of, okay. It's all good, right? But we realize that in this world, Gemara says, what's the difference between Olam Haza and Olam Haba? It's not talking about Olam Haza, as far as I know. Where do I know? Okay, it appears that Pshad and Gemara is asking, okay, Olam Haba could mean more than one thing. You could have Olam Haba used to mean the spiritual life after this life, or Olam Haba could mean the future world, meaning the Messianic era, times of Mashiach. Okay, so the Gemara over there apparently is asking, what's the difference between Olam Haba and Olam Haza? After Mashiach comes, how will the world be different? So there's different approaches to this. Will it be a whole miraculous, different kind of world? The approach of the Rambam, which is sort of like it's just a perfect natural world, and then you read the perfection of the natural world, and you're like, okay, that's supernatural, right? Everyone agrees on who the greatest person is and who should be the leader. No one will have doubt, not just Jews. Imagine all Jews agreeing on who's the one... The one greatest person to be the leader, right? And then the whole world agrees with that, too. You know, these kind of things are like, they're not really natural, but they're sort of natural, right? Not an overturning of the laws of nature. It's just that things don't go that way, okay? So the says, what's the difference? So one difference is that nowadays we have hatova hametif when we hear really great news. A baby is born. Somebody wins a lottery, okay? Or we have a bracha of Dayan Hamas when we have really sad news. And we're supposed to try and be macabre, both of them fully. But in the next world, it's all hatova hametiv. There's no concept that you would have news that would make you feel
feel that it was sad because you could see how everything, the, the, the sun is out. You could see how everything is good. Okay. But all of Baruch Sha'amar was all Hatova Hametiv and Dayan HaMS, right? It was about Yerushalayim. It was about seeing the Gevura. It's about seeing all the forces and of, of nature through which Hashem delivers all this bracha, some of which is obvious bracha and some of which is non-obvious bracha. And yet where it's going to take us is v'nam lichicha. Somehow in all of this we get to v'nam lichicha. Crowning Hashem as king, saying I choose you as king. And hamlacha, as in Shema, is tied directly to Yichud Hashem. Yichud meaning unification. Seeing that it is all one. So what do we say in Shema? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem, which is Midas Arachamim. Elokeinu, Midas Adin, Hashem Echad. It's really all one. Okay? That is, <laughs> again, we're not, we don't have, today's lesson is not about why those things go together, but they do. So what do we have here? Unified, unique, source of life. Just make sure this is all off. Source of life of all worlds. Okay, so this is now, we're like honing in on what is the objective, the end goal, where, where is the end that Psuke de Zimmer is going to take us? It didn't take us there yet because we haven't said Psuke de Zimmer yet. Just the bracha. But what we're understanding is that Psuke de Zimra is not, it's a value on its own, but it is a taking us somewhere. And the place it takes us is Shema. That's where Psuke de Zimra takes you. Okay? Do you remember? <laughs> no reason you should. A long, long, long time ago when we started learning about Psuke de Zimra, we talked about going into battle. Right? And there is this very interesting Gemara that says that if a person, right, if, if a person feels if they're afraid of their uh, yeah. sins, right, then they have to turn back and go back to the beginning. And the Gemara says, so what kind of sins? And the sin was talking between Yishtabach, meaning the end of Psuket Zimra, an interruption between Psuket Zimra and the Brachos of Kriyashma. I was like, number one, we had a lot of questions, right? Like, is that so bad? Mm-hmm. Like, and by the way, if that's what constitutes a sin for not going into war, well, who's going to be left? <laughs> we have just a few soldiers, but that's okay. It's not, it's not numbers, I guess, that counts, but it seemed like a little funny. But there was a message there about Pesuket Zimra and how it has to bring you to Shema, and if it doesn't bring you to Shema, if you go off in another direction and interrupt between Pesuket Zimra and the brachas of Kriyashma, it says you have to go back to the beginning of the battle. In other words, you, mentally at least, I'm not saying you have to repeat Pesuket Zimra, but somewhere in your mind, you have like a process that has to be rebuilt again to get you on track so that you're poised and ready for Kriyashma when you get there. That's what Pesuket Zimra does for you. Okay. It's interesting because it's the beginning, let's say, it's somewhat the beginning, it's yeah. really after Berkos Shachar, but in another way it's the beginning, just like yeah. on Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the year, and there's also this sense of hamlacha to like yeah. set us oh, that's straight. really interesting. It's like a starting point. Mm-hmm. That is really interesting. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. Okay. So, the, I think there's Wait, a key piece here. Yeah. To, sorry. So if you're interrupting Pesukah before Shema, that's like on the same level of 
in a sense, being afraid as a soldier going into war? Uh, The interruption is given by the Gemara. And go back and hear the class, because we spent a lot of time on it. That interruption is given as an example of the kind of sin that would cause the soldier to be afraid to go to war, because he has this sin. Of being distracted. Of having interrupted. Okay, but it's worth hearing it because that, that was like a real, it's a topic, like what? Do you remember like, what it was titled? Probably, it's somewhere in the very beginning of the introductions to Pesuket de Zimra. Okay. Okay. If you email me, I'll try and find it for you. Okay. So, all that is the background. And it brings us to this stage of, of Hamlacha. So here, I just want to bring an example This is like an example of how the Nazkir Shimcha, mentioning Hashem's name, will bring us to this concept of Hamwacha. So in Parshas Akev, it's actually by Bahayim Shemoa near Shema, so it's, I was going to say it's appropriate, but obviously it's appropriate. Ki'im Shamor Tishmerun, if you shall surely guard, es kol ha-mitzvah hazosa, sharanochi mitzvah all of the command, this whole mitzvah which I am commanding you to do, to love Hashem your Lord, to walk in all of his pathways, and to cling to him or stick to him. So the Ramban asks, what, it mean to, what does it mean to stick to him? So first he quotes the Ibn Ezer, Amar Rabbi Avraham. Um, let me just, I, I bolded the second paragraph. It's not really... Uh, the, first he quotes the Ibn Ezra, and he quotes the Ibn Ezra essentially saying, I'm just going to read the last paragraph of it, Im kein hi azharas zara. The Ibn Ezra's understand, I'm sorry about the mess yeah. here. I, was, I missed the paper. I, I'm reading the last sentence of the first paragraph of the Ramban. This is a warning about a vodazara. Shaloti parid machashavto min Hashem, it should be Elohim achirim, but I turned on the automatic source sheet builder thing to change God's name and it's improved. It used to only change Yud, Hey, Vav, and Hey into Hashem and it would leave all the Elohims and I'd have to go back and fix them. Now it catches too many of them. So I guess it's one way or the other. Okay. The, this, he's saying what does it mean to stick to Hashem? So the, he's quoting the Ibn Ezra that the Ibn Ezra holds that what this means is keep your mind on God not on Avodah Zarah. Not on any other power. You shouldn't allow yourself to think, which it sounds so obvious to us until we start applying it to our own lives. Don't allow yourself to think that any avodazara, any foreign worship, has any roots. It's all nothing. Now, why do I say until you start examining yourself? Because until you start examining yourself and you realize, you know, okay, I'm not feeling 100%. Okay, I have a cold. I'm fine. It's just a little cold. Okay? But sometimes, you know, a person finds, oh, I'm so glad I found out I have strep because I'll take the antibiotics and I'll feel better. So who, who am I crediting? Uh, right? Mm-hmm. I'm saying that's a pretty realistic uh, example. example, right? When you are sure the bunny's in the wallet, then you think, oh, okay, so we're good. I can go to the market because I have the money in the wallet to pay for. I'm saying we do this all the time. We disconnect and we attribute the power 
to something that's really just a creation of God's. It's not him alone. So I'm just giving like, you know, I don't know if, I'm, if they're low-level examples or maybe they're high-level examples, you know, because we're not talking about like getting down, God forbid, on our knees and worshiping, you know, some like crazy idol. But at the same time, it's really, really easy. Um, by the way, I, I would say in America, we talk a lot about work ethic here. And there's a very strong sense that, you know, work ethic is a real thing. But it's a mistake for us to think that it's because of the work that we are going to succeed. That's a very, very serious mistake. One example of the fallacy of that thinking is that it leads you to the conclusion that if someone does not succeed, it's because they didn't try hard enough. Now, if you don't know somebody or yourself who has tried very, very hard, really wholeheartedly, for a really long time to achieve something, could be anything. It could be a business objective. It could be a personal change objective. It could be finding a shidduch, finding a cure, finding, right, a job, and not succeeding. Then it becomes apparent that it's not actually a lack of effort Right? That, that's the means. That's the hishtadlos. That's the guidance, meaning when we have a need. So Hashem is telling us what he wants us to do. Through all the events and circumstances of our life, Hashem is directing us that we should be able to figure out what our avoda is and what our job and is. you do say, that is part of Chazal. I was just going to say, I would love if you could find me the source in that, because oh. it's attributed to Chazal all the time, but I'm oh, not sure it actually is a Chazal. Oh That's the one now, statement. Wait, say that. Let me know if you find it. I learned it in first year Mrs. Rubinovich's class. I learned it in high school. Also, Chazal say, I've heard rabbis who tell me wait, like they attribute you... this to Chazal, but oh, I don't wait, know what the source is. I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. There is nothing. Nothing stands in the way of will. I always thought that was part of our like heritage. I don't know. I like, what does that even true. mean? Think about it a minute. What does that mean? So, if I want it enough, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Graydon was. Who's Who's God here? I don't know. I wonder. Rabbi Graydon was talking about this yesterday. That in our day and age, we think we need so much. So we work and work to get what we think we need, but we, uh, we don't, Hashem knows we don't really need all that much. And he was giving an example like takeout food in LA and how, you know, it's become such an industry, whatever, and how much it costs. So it just ups what a person thinks they need for the year. And then you wonder why you're not earning that much or why you're not getting, but really you don't, Hashem knows what you really need and (coughs) you could try and try, but Hashem... You know what I mean? You, yeah. don't, you don't need but all forget that much. But forgetting the actual physical things. What about things that you're striving for for yourself? Like right. personal goals. That's right. So you sometimes... Mean, like, let's say, whether it's health or... Um, or and people will tell you, you must or, not want it enough. Right. If you really uh, cared. Right. right. And maybe right. they're right, and maybe they're wrong. Right. <laughs> maybe you have to try something different. Maybe you're trying the wrong thing. Maybe... Who knows? Or maybe... The struggle is your avoda right now. You, you don't necessarily know. What about when they say also like a sadik, you know, uh, falls down seven times, but the, the true avoda is getting up and continuing. That's right. You know, they so just the fact that the somebody fa- fails is not a sign that they were doing the wrong thing or didn't do enough of it or didn't want enough. It's just, it, it's not by definition. But there's a difference, I think, with people that are doing the, trying to do their shot list and, and 
putting out the avoda, doing something. That's why I'm saying there's something are, important to work ethic. Yeah. But that work ethic, right. the question is, what is it directed towards? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we will talk about this more when we get to Shema, because that's where Ratzon comes in in a huge way. What is the power of Ratzon? What is the, the value of Ratzon? Right? In, in a way, that is the most important. That's yeah. really the most important power that infuses a person and that we bring into the world. I, I don't mean to undermine it. It's just a question of, you know, we're supposed to make our Ratzon his Ratzon. Right. So there's, there's something beyond just like, do I want it enough? And if I would want it enough, then it would happen. Right. But it's very hard to quantify that balance and to clarify very hard. exactly where that balance is. I really think is. a lot of it, Rav Hirsch is the only place I've ever seen where it's spelled out in a way that's fairly clear. Some of it maybe we'll get to um, today. And a lot of it is in that one that I'm always quoting, that, that sort of compilation of his thoughts that's brought in Baruch in the Haggadah, in the Hirsch Haggadah. It's page 50, 51 over there. And he says, like, really clearly, he talks about that will and that the dri- Baruch as the, the driving thought of life, which it's not just a nice concept. Baruch is the fundamental thought of life. And you can see it because it's the fundamental, it's the fundamental, it's the foundation of all tefillah, which is how you build your day. And then it keeps getting used. So even when you move up from brachos to psukei de zimra, to shema to shmona esrei, you're still using the structure of a bracha to hold it all together. Even shmona esrei is made of 18 or 19 brachos. Even though the avoda is not the avoda of brachos. You're, past, you're not there, right? You're still using the bracha as the tool for your life. As for the way that you're supposed to structure your thinking, even at the highest spiritual levels, is based on that idea of bracha. And his, inter- his definition of bracha is May your will be implemented through me. If that's your driving ratzon, like if that's the passion inside of you that, that can't stop you, it's that God's will should come through me. Then, then yeah, nothing's going to stand in the way of your will. Because what's your will? It's God's will. So by definition, nothing will stand in the way of it. He talks about that. But he says that's because it's not your energy now that it is driving you. It's, it's Hashem's. When, you, when the job you're doing is God's work, then it's his worry to, to make it successful, not yours. So you work as hard as you can, but you don't worry about, do I have enough energy? Do I have enough time to do this? Do I have enough? Because this is God's job. He'll take care of it. He'll provide, right? We, we've said it's like, you know, when you have a spoon and you have a hand holding the spoon, who's the one who's doing the work? even halachically, right? Borer, on Shabbos. So there's a certain heter, right? If it's miyad, biyad, ochom, ipsolas, right? If you do it by hand and it's for immediate use and you take the good from the bad, well, doing it by hand includes if you're holding a spoon or a fork. Why? Because it's just an extension of your hand. It's your hand doing it. The, the, the tool is your hand. It becomes an extension of your hand. So if I'm the tool, I'm an extension of Hashem's hand. Okay, so do I worry about how much energy my fork has? Not really. I mean, it has some kind of potential energy sitting there in a drawer, right? Because it could fall down and then it would be kinetic energy or something. But I don't worry about it. It doesn't matter really because I'm going to put in energy from my hand. Okay, so let's get to this Ramban here because we, we only got as far as the Ibn Ezra that he was quoting, which wasn't what he was actually going to say. All right. So he says, Ladovka about a cling to God. In other words, don't get distracted into other places that you attribute power only attribute to God. 
He said, this is really like what it says elsewhere. <coughs> Two more prakam down. The also tavodu, you should serve Hashem, uvosid bakun, and cling to him. The hakavana, the intention, in both of these places, this pasuk and there. Lahazhir shelo yavod Hashem vezulaso, Hashem levado yavod belibo uvemaisav. So it does mean to warn you that you shouldn't serve Hashem and something else, like sort of like more like what we were talking about, right? The idea that you could believe in God, but you could also have this sense that something else also has power. No, you have to serve Hashem only with your heart and with your actions. And it seems likely that what did the Pasuk say to cling to Hashem? What is, what is that including? What is that telling us? Lomar, to tell you, that you should remember Hashem's name or Zohar Hashem mention Hashem's name. It means either one. Why? Because we said that's the same thing. The way you fulfill remembering is through speech, right? Zohar is Yom HaShabbos Lakacho. You say Kiddush. Zohar is Hashem Asalacha Amalek. You have to read the Parsha of Amalek, okay? Anytime the Torah tells you to remember something, so to remember Hashem's name is the same thing as saying to talk about Hashem's name, the Ahavaso Tamid, and his love constantly. You should not allow your thoughts to drift, to separate from that thought of Hashem and his love at any time. Not when you're in your house, not when you're walking on the way, not when you're lying down, not when you're sitting up. It's quoting Shema. Yeah? devarav adam He said, you know how far this could take you? Okay, but maybe before we get there. Why did I bring this here now? Because what the Ramban is telling us is clinging to God, having constant awareness of the type that Shema talks about, how do you get there? You get there by mentioning Hashem and his love constantly. That's what he just said. If you want to know how do you become a person who has constant, you know, you read the Pasuk Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit. So assuming you can screen out the rock music written with those words, it's a sublime thought. <laughs> like, and it also seems almost unattainable. Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit? No, not robotic, the opposite. How could you ever get there? How could you get to constant, constant, active awareness of Hashem? He says, yeah, by talking about it all the time. That's how you get to it. Okay. V'nazkir shimcha, v'namlichicha. Okay, this is this bridge from mentioning Hashem's name to making him king, which we said is connected to this avoda of Shema. Okay, we... Again, the Avodah of Shema, we don't know too much about yet. That's what he's telling us. How far does that go? You know what that looks like at the end? So that you become a person who is present with the other people around you, with your mouth and your tongue. So I'm talking to you. Okay. I'm not really using myself as an example here. I'll lie, right? But I'm talking to you. But his heart is not really fully in his environment. 
You have a righteous person. They appear to be present <laughs> in the moment with the people around them. They can talk and interact with the people around them. But his heart is actually standing before God. Even while he's standing in this world and interacting with people here, because the language of his mouth is bringing into the front of his mind constantly Hashem's presence and love, so there's a place inside of his heart that is always thinking about that, even when he's talking to other people. Okay? Uh, but, but what's he talking about? Apparently, he's talking about God's name and God's love. It is, it is possible, it, meaning it's achievable, for people at this level, it's a very high level, so their soul becomes bound. Okay, so this is a quote from Avigail in Navi, Avigail, who became the wife of David HaMelech. Avigail said, His soul should be tied up in the bond of life. This is something that's written on Matzevas. Okay, when a person's passed away, right? They don't tend to spell it out. They put Taf, Nun, Tzadik, Base, hey, right? And you always wonder what that, that's what it is. It's Tehei Nishma Sotsurah May this person's soul be bound up to the bond of life. Now, the bond of life doesn't mean physical life. The, the strand of life that you want to be tied to is Hashem, who's the source of all life, right? We're, we're getting to that, although perhaps not today, right? Yachid Chei HaOlamim, Hashem is the source of all life. Okay. But he's saying that it's actually possible, even though generally we're talking about that for the next world after someone passes away, it's possible for a person in this life to get to a level where they're actually tied to Hashem and that bond of spiritual, spiritual life and spiritual awareness even while they're still alive. Because they make themselves a dwelling place for the Shrina. Because in their mouth and in their mind, Hashem is always present, so Hashem is present. It's quite a thought. Mm-hmm. Also gives you a suggestion, maybe we don't live that way all the time, but what happens in the brief moments that we do? What happens in the moments that we do? I mean, that, that is called making yourself a kli, like a vessel, a fitting place for the shrine. Can we achieve that for a half a second a day? I don't know. It's an amazing thing. That a person can become himself a place that is a fitting housing for Shrina, as is hinted to by the author of the Sefer HaKuzari. Okay. So we're preparing ourselves for Shema, in other words. And the preparing ourselves for Shema is this bridge from the Nazkir Shimcha talking about Hashem, mentioning Him. We talked about this in terms of, specifically in terms of Gamzu Latova, right? The bad, the good, blessing Hashem for all of it. (coughs) (coughs) And that's going to bring us to the next level, which will be Shema, which will be Hamlachas Hashem, Yichud Hashem, right? which we don't know too much about, and Ahavas Hashem. All those are mm-hmm. happening at the same level. We're not there yet. That's Shema. That's ahead of us. 
Where we are, we're still at the Yerushalayim. But this is this concept of Yerushalayim that brings us towards Avas Hashem. Yerushalayim takes us somewhere, right? I mean, just getting to Yerushalayim is awesome. There are levels within Yerushalayim. Rav Hirsch has a, an essay in Kharev about Yerushalayim. He's, he's got, I don't know, I forgot, I once counted it. He's got like eight levels, ten levels of Yerushalayim. Like there's a lot of steps to Yerushalayim, right? We said the basic one is being afraid of punishment. <laughs> okay, that's, what, that's like the starting point. Okay. Um, yeah. Can you say um, the idea of claim to Hashem is through Hashem's name and through talking about Hashem's love yeah. constantly? So when, when you say, say Hashem's name, what do you mean? Is that like when Speaking about him. Seems, that's what it seems to You're me. just saying, you know, God really loves you. That's why he's... Why did this happen? Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem made it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Hashem. The, the constant awareness. Is, uh, we, we gave, really, when I said... You're thanking Hashem. I once, it can mean thanking Hashem. We talked about that it's idea of just Hashem. saying thank you. It brings into your mouth and into your thoughts into your heart. that much more awareness of Hashem mm-hmm. at, in the moment. Right? That's a really good and easy and pleasant and life-improving way of starting. Right? It also comes into the negative things, the things that are painful and difficult, and saying, thank you, Asha. <coughs> I don't know why this is happening, but if I understood, I would have chosen it. Okay. So I want to give an example of this bridge between... Nazkir Shimcha as sort of bringing light into the darkness, meaning that recognition that we're seeing it as dark, we're seeing it as Ra, and we're trusting in the fact that like we know that really Hashem is doing good, so even though we can't see it now, we're bringing that beam of light in. And the idea that there's even a higher level that maybe we can't reach it ourselves, but there's a higher level that we at the very least await <coughs> which is the time when everything appears to be good, right? That's that Gemara. What's the difference between this world and the later world, right? In the future, everything will appear to be tov. Okay, so in Bereshis, Hashem finally creates man. And he sees everything that he has made. And it is tov me'od. It's something new. Until now, we've only had tov. Now we have Tov Me'od. Okay. All right. So Hashem saw as Kol Asher Asa. Until now, each day, right? We, and we talked about the Ramban. What does it mean? What, Ramban gives us some definitions. Hashem looking at something. Hashem saying it's good, right? Each of these is different degrees of creation and achieving the perfection they're meant to achieve. <coughs> And there's something new that happens at the end of the sixth day, which is seeing kol asher asa. This is really a shavuah shir, because kol is 50, right? It's 20 plus 30, it's 50. And you count 49 days, and the 50th is shavuah. So this is something I normally talk about shavuah time. Kol asher asa is 50? No, the word kol by itself is 50. Okay. Okay. It's a kind of a wholeness. The word kol, I mean, it means all. (laughs) 
It is a wholeness. Okay, but it's also the number 50, mazel tov. But it also is the number 50, which is a, a factor of 100, meaning it's something that's like part way towards the wholeness of 100. Okay, so what is this idea of coal? So he says, first of all, coal is related to um, klal, a wholeness, a community, a group. Kleel, which means like a ring or a circle. What is kol then? When we say all, and it has a sort of a roundness to it, this word kol, because it means like a kleel, which is like a crown or a circle or a ring. Rav Hirsch said a circle is when you take a line. When you're in school, they teach you a circle are all points that are equidistant from one center point, right? So you take one point, and you say everything that's one centimeter away. So if you plot that, what you end up with is a circle. Yeah, remember this, like way back when? Okay, yeah. that's geometry. <laughs> okay. So, well, you need it. See, people think they're never going to need it, but how can you understand the Torah if you don't know that, what a circle is, right? Okay. So a circle then is if you would take a line. And you would say, I want to measure, he's using a different term, but that's why I started with the, the normal geometry term. It's the same general idea. The space that is ruled with the same measure of force from one point in every direction. <coughs> so he's not measuring distance. He's saying, let's say you have a magnet. You know those toys where they have the little iron filings and you draw like little mustaches and then, you know, okay. So you have a magnet in the middle, and you sprinkle a whole bunch of those iron filings over the top. And now you have a magnet. So what's going to happen? The magnet is exerting a magnetic force that's drawing things towards it. Okay. The things that are farther away are not going to get very much pull. The things that are closer are going to get pulled. So what you would see is like a bullseye. Right. You would see like the magnet. You'd see all the filings with a certain range are going to get sucked up, you know, closer. And the ones that are past the point where it will have that effective influence on them, and you'll see a circle. Okay. So a circle then is the space ruled with the same measure of force from that center point. Okay, you take the middle and you have a certain amount of force, and you do it in equally in every direction, what you describe as a circle. So a circle is a pregnant expression for the whole sphere that a being can control from his own standpoint. If I want to talk about what I can control, then I would, from my own perspective, that would be a circle, so to speak, control. You know. Okay, The people that I have an influence over, that it matters to them if I talk to them. Okay? The degree of that, you think of, you think of yourself in the middle of your own circle. I think we've talked about this with love and taiva just a couple weeks ago. Okay? So he says, everything that has to do with completion and perfection has to do with circles. God saw all of what he had created, how everything fitted together harmoniously, how everything turns together around one point, as kol asher asa. He's leading us to a thought from Chazal, and he's showing us how the Torah was leading us there the whole time. Hashem saw kol, the wholeness, 
meaning every part of that call. If I can describe everything and it's part of a circle, that means all of it has an equal distance from the center. <coughs> In this case, the center is Hashem himself. It's everything he did. So what does that have to do with the circle? Yeah. So why a circle? Right. So Hashem is telling us that he looked at the world that he created, Mm -hmm. and once he created man, he now looks at the world in terms of kol. Kol meaning everything totally circling around one center point. The center point being him. The center point being him. Okay, but that, that has implications. What does that mean? One thing it means is that everything is working in harmony and is connected. Some things may be on one side of the circle and some things may be on the other side of the circle, in which case they may to be, appear to be directly opposite of each other. They don't look like they're working together. They look like they're working against each other. One side is is positive pole and the other side is a negative pole. (coughs) The North Pole, the South Pole. Mm -hmm. Okay, different magnetic poles. People who are pulling to the right and people who are pulling to the left. They're on opposite sides. They're directly opposing. And yet, there actually is a harmony of that. Like I said, it's really a Shavuish here. The harmony, or Shalom, harmony and Shalom are actually the the harmony of, of different forces. When forces are the same, that's not called shalom. Shalom is when you have forces that are different and they're working together. Hmm. Yeah, okay, that's kol. So this is hine tov me'od. This is something even greater than any of the individual things Hashem created along the way that were tov. There's a greater level of tov, which is all these things that don't always look like they're all working together, and yet they're actually all circling around one center point. Everything created, everything in existence, looked at in connection with everything else, is very good. Everything relatively ra only appears ra when looked at alone by itself in a fraction of time and space. So if you take a slice of the circle and look at it, you might say, well, this part is Ra. Mm -hmm. Okay? But this disappears. Yea, itself becomes Tov. Even the Yetzirah, even Maves, death, even Yisurim, suffering, even temptation. And then, because we didn't expect it, even Tov Ma'od as soon as we are able to broaden our minds and look at the whole. That is, in fact, he's paraphrasing a chazal. Chazal say, what does it mean, tov me'od? Me'od is referring to the Yetzirah, to Yisurim, to death. The, the things that were created at the end of the sixth day along with man. All this baggage that we brought along with us because of our free will that Hashem gave us, this is tov me'od. It's just that we don't have a broad enough view. Eh? You understand how that's the same as that concept of what's the difference between the next world and this world and the perfected world? We see it's all good. It actually is all good. Now we can't see it that way. We are limited. We do have blinders. 
If we would look at single things in connection with the whole, look on ourselves, our lives, in connection with the whole of our true lives, not merely as tachtonim, as those living in a lower world, but also as elyonim, people who also live in a higher world. Not only in our earthly life of senses, in our spiritual, godly relationship, not only in relation to olam hazeh, but also to olam haba. Consider every internal exter- and external fight in light of the spiritual freedom that victory brings, every contemporary moment in relation to the eternity that awaits us, then like Rabbi Meir, we too would write in the margin of our Torah on the words Vehine tov me'od, the gloss Vehine tov maves, even death we would see as good. Which is not something that, I mean, now we say Baruch Dayan Hamas. Okay, there's a transition here. Just as in the real goodness of these apparently bad things in life, not only the tov, but the tov me'od, of all that God created shows itself. I can suffer in the present. If through that I become wiser and nobler for the future, I may even suffer. I may even have to spend the whole of my 70 years in trials. After all, they're only a drop in the ocean of eternity that awaits me. Could we but see at one glance the whole picture of God's management of events interworking with and on each other in all time and in all spheres, even as he sees it, we should indeed agree with his verdict. Vehine tov me'od. This is dipping our, our toe into the waters of Yichud Hashem, of saying Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. By mentioning Hashem's name constantly in whatever happens to us, saying thank you for the things that work out and thank you for the things that don't work out. Where we start to reach is a place where we can begin to get a flavor of Tov Me'ot. Of Tov Me'od, a flavor of Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. There is one Hashem. (coughs) He is filling the world and building it with Chesed, and it takes a lot of different forms. Okay, so we're going to continue this idea of Hashem next week, uh, and hopefully take it into a few other zones, but. Someone reading Credibles by Nachman. Yes. So I was thinking while she was saying everything, there's a, there's a little like part of the story. It's a great book. I, I, I'm recommending it to everyone. Yeah, Incredible by Nachman uh, Seltzer. Uh, Seltzer. And he says, um, <coughs> there's one part where they lose their parrot, and um, the parrot ends up in a nun from home <coughs> somewhere in Israel. And the parrot's a really funny right. parrot because it's been living in a from home, so it says all the time, Baruch Hashem, and um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, That's what it learned. Like kiddish and th- like funny things. <coughs> so this nun from home that it ended up in, all of a sudden they're like, they decide to become from because they're like, oh my gosh. It's like, like a sign from Hashem, it's such a puzzle, it's such a funny story. Like, little part. But, what you're doing is when you're always hearing Bar Hashem and you're including Hashem in everything, right. that like you start to feel it. But it's funny. It's funny because it was coming from a parrot, but like <laughs> that parrot was repeating first, it from the first. That's so funny. That's yeah. cute. It made well, me think of it. Well, the whole book is filled. Oh, the with whole thing is Hashgacha great. Process, like he goes into a jail to to give a speech or whatever. Oh, that's great. Being like all the inmates, they didn't even want to let him back in there because he was. He was like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, like the way he he's talked the head of he, RF team, uh, the CEO of RF team. Right. 
That's a great who says that if a person is truly most nefesh, it doesn't have to be that they die for it, but it's really most nefesh for a mitzvah, then Hashem won't let his kids drop it. Wow. Hashem will protect them. And, yeah. Well, it's interesting because they go through different times. Right. Like his father's story is amazing from the Holocaust. Both right, his parents' stories, both right. his parents are Holocaust survivors. And their stories are so rich. So, so who they were their life? From? The, the grandfather gave up his life. Oh, the, the parents were not after the Holocaust. Right. So the par- parents were not from after the Holocaust. Right. They were from but before. But went stories, like just... But like then they become a car in the end then, also. Right. It's, an ama- it's an amazing, it's an amazing journey of so many people. It's just the, it's really 